Welcome back everyone to Classic Homesteading Practices and today we are going to have another wonderful and exciting read from our book Farm Animal Behavior by Ingvar Akesbo. We are on chapter two for pigs and we are starting with header 2.8 body care and cleanliness. In order to maintain the condition of the body surface, pigs scratch themselves but do not often otherwise spend much time in grooming. They do not lick themselves or each other. Mutual grooming does not occur in wild or domesticated pigs. The term dirt in the following account means that the swine is soiled or urine uh, or manure. Sows kept outdoors which wallow in mud or water for controlling their body temperature and therefore are covered by wet mud are not defined as dirty. Because again, being dirty for a pig means that they have uh, urine or feces on them. Having dirt on them is just a part of their hygiene. Dirtiness in sows or pigs can be a symptom of disease, fever, for example, but mostly it is a result of inadequate environment or management. When sow confinement was introduced, it was apparent that the frequency of dirty sows increased in herds. However, as in other species, there are invariably single animals that have a tendency always to become dirty. Even under ideal conditions, the share of dirty sows in a herd seems to be about 5%. However, in herds where sows are kept confined, often 80 to 85% of sows are dirty on the hind part. Disgusting. Apparently, the possibility for the pig to choose a separate dunging area in a factor or is a factor which promotes cleanliness. Yes, they like to choose their pooping place. Sows kept loose in pens with an adequate bedded lying area and with a separate dunging area are, in more than nine cases out of 10, absolutely clean as long as the indoor climate does not force them to use the dunning, dunging area for their thermoregulation. So if the coolest place in their area on a very hot day is the dunging area, they're going to use it because if not, then they're going to have heat stroke. So that is mostly the time when you see a dirty pig unless there's illness involved. Header 2.9, temperature regulation and climate requirements. Temperature regulation, the wild boar. Pigs have limited temperature regulation abilities. For pigs, high temperatures can be a problem, low, not. Pigs cannot cool their skin by temper or transpiration because their sweat glands are very few and their distribution is confined almost entirely to the snout. So unlike humans, pigs don't sweat a lot. Therefore, they cannot temp regulate like we can. An accumulation of body heat occurs in warm surroundings. The relatively poor body cover of hair makes the animal particularly vulnerable to the effects of direct solar radiation. So they can catch a lot of sun, which can give them, you know, sunsickness or sunburn. Since evaporation of fluid from the skin is very effective 
For cooling, pigs seek places to wet themselves when they are hot. They, real, they rely on wallowing for cooling in hot weather and when conditions are cold. Often huddle with others in a sheltered, well-insulated place such as a nest which they have built. Usually the nest is dry, again, to keep the moisture off of them to keep them warm. In warm weather, pigs kept outdoors try to get cool in water or mud baths. They regulate their body temperature through skin evaporation. Wetting the skin is effective for about an hour, depending on the relative humidity. However, wallowing in a mixture of mud and water is more effective. Pigs smeared with mud and water showed evaporative cooling over a longer period of times, about two hours, than pigs mat or made thoroughly wet with water alone. Pigs prefer wallowing because it combines cooling and grooming. After the mud has dried on the skin, they rub it off against the bushes or rocks. This method of grooming is important because pigs cannot lick themselves like other farm animals. Panting accounts for about 20%, heating for about 20%, and wallowing uh, about 60% of relative proportion of total evaporation heat loss in swine. So panting is 20%, sweating is 20%, and wallowing is 60% when it comes to regulating their heat. And of course, they're getting rid of it. The newborn piglet is very susceptible to cold. Coldness um, impairs the development of thermostability. Wow, that was a great word to try. Let me have two more of those. Thanks, book. It induces hypothermia. Glycogen and fat reserves are used as a major energy substrate for heat production within the first 24 hours of life. During the first week of life, the piglets easily lose body heat to the environment. So this is something that happens with a lot of animals, including humans. When we get cold, we expend a lot of energy. And when a new baby piglet, anything is born, that rate of fat, that weight loss is exponential so you need to keep them in a warm climate as much as possible when they are newborn or you can risk um, or have a devastatingly higher amount of mortality in your pigs they compensate for this by lying close together and close to their dam or their mother during cold conditions Pigs huddle together using about 60% of the space they would use under warm conditions. In nature, nest construction is important to their survival. The main factors for avoiding piglet hypothermia are a warm lying area and the colostrum, which is their main energy source. So colostrum, which farmers know very well about um, is the very first thing that comes from a nursing animal and also a nursing human being. We make this 
It is a yellower substance. It is filled with the first antibodies and the most nutrition that an animal will gather. It will fatten them up immediately and it will also make sure that they have a better start in life. All animals who have colostrum have a higher rate of living than those without. So if you have any animal, and this goes with any animal, if you don't have colostrum at the very beginning, say uh, an, a very unfortunate thing happens and the mother passes from the birth or you have to take and pull a baby off the mother because they have rejected it, make sure to get synthetic colostrum or find uh, the closest animal like a goat's milk colostrum uh, and give them to it. Because again, it will act as their first immune system and it will also just help fatten them up much more uh, readily so that they can have those calories to stay alive. Next header, the domesticated pig. An important cooling system for pigs is evaporation of water from the snout and the larynx. The larynx is part of the nose system. We have the larynx and the pharynx, and together those two create uh, the pieces inside of our nose, the spaces inside of our nose. The domesticated pig has a shorter snout and fewer possibilities to use the nose cavity for temperature regulation than the wild boar. Ingham and Leggy in 1970 and 1972 found a difference in blood temperature of 3 Celsius, which is very drastic. In Fahrenheit, that's about 7 degrees between the carotid artery and the jugular vein in pigs in a hot environment. The carotid artery and the jugular veins are on either side of neck. So the heat that is coming off the neck, one, is one of the most warm places on the body. It is the, one of the biggest places for heat to come off of, including the head. Um, Domestication has played a damaging trick on pigs. Most domesticated animals are selected for a short face in, com in comparison with the rest of the skull. This has a deleterious effect in the pig. So basically it, it is a shortcoming for a pig to have a shorter snout because it doesn't help with temp regulation. Longer snouts help with cooling. The snout and the larynx of a wild boar are much longer than those of a domestic pig. Due to reduced surface area of evaporation, one can conclude that the nasal and the laryngeal cooling mechanism of a domesticated pig have only one quarter the capacity of those of a wild boar. So it is 25% uh, as effective or the wild boar has 75% more capacity and ability to cool itself off with its snout compared to a domesticated pig. 
The cooling problem in domesticated pigs are compounded further by a much heavier adult body weights compared to wild boars. We like them fat, and because of that, it makes them hot and sweaty. Domesticated pigs have less efficient evaporation cooling than wild boars because they have less skin area per kilogram of live weight. So this is actually a really good point to make. And this again is something for people as well. When you have a larger fat pad, you have more body mass. You have uh, a lot more inside of your of yourself. And this is insulation. It will keep the heat in. And because of this, you need more surface area in order to cool off. It's actually uh, something that we see in elephants. Uh, because of how large they are, they have all these little wrinkles on their body to help give larger uh, surface area so that they can cool off so much better. It's also the reason why they have such large ears is again, you need more surface area on your body to cool off if you're a larger person. If you're a smaller person, which I bet you've heard somebody who is small say, ooh, I'm always cold all the time. And that, again, is because they have less insulation on their body to surface area on their skin. So they're able to cool down a lot faster, which means you always need a coat, skinny people. Don't forget it. Anyway, back to this. In warm weather, pigs kept outdoors try to cool down in water or mud baths. Pigs covered with clay or mud outdoors in the summertime is not a sign of dirtiness. It reveals that they have regulated their body temperature. The old expression dirty pig comes from people's misinterpretation of this behavior. Pigs kept indoors often prefer lying in the wet dunging area and the indoor temperature is too high. Another method of cooling is radiation of heat via the skin. Small blood vessels in the skin become dilated to cool the blood. So you know when you get really hot because you're running and your face flushes? That is the same thing that's going on. Your blood temperature is so high that it opens up blood vessels and tries to flood the blood to the top so it cools quicker. And it does the opposite when you get cold. The blood can, or yeah, your blood just stays inside the veins, everything constricts up, and that's why you look paler when you're cold, because the blood is trying to be insulated underneath your skin. In comparison, to the wild boar, domesticated pigs have an advantage due to the absence of a hair coat. However, this disadvantage of a relatively small skin area compared to the wild boars plays a large role in decreasing the effectiveness of cooling by radiation, uh, or radiating heat, basically. A third method of losing heat in direct contact or is direct contact with a heat conducting surface such as wet earth or mud. In hot weather, pigs attempt to maximize body contact with the wet dirt. They will stretch out their entire side with their head and their feet on the ground. 
If a cool surface is not available on a hot day, domesticated pigs will suffer from greater heat stress than their wild uh, counterparts. Header, climate requirements, the domesticated pig. It is a well-known clinical experience that indoor sows kept permanently confined are at risk of heart failure because of their inability to cope with high temperatures. As the swine heart weight to body weight ratio, wow, in adults, uh, weigh smaller than that of the other mammals. So pigs' hearts are smaller to, in comparison to their body compared to other animals. And because of this, uh, there's a lot more stress on the heart because your heart has one function, and that is to be a mechanical pump to flow as much blood to your body parts because your blood is the highways of exchanging oxygen, carbon dioxide, and all other nutrients in your body. And this is the same for all animals. And when a smaller heart is in a large animal, there's so much pressure being put on that little pump to take all of that blood and put it around the body. So it is a higher heart failure for sows because there's so much stress on that pump or the heart. So high temperatures, like other stressors, may lead to overload of the circulation and to the acute heart failure. Because again, when you get hot, your, your heart rate goes up to try and circulate your blood to cool you down. So it is overtaxing your overly beating heart, if that makes sense. Sows confined in cages and exposed to direct sunshine for hours without the possibility of avoiding the heat run the risk of heart failure and acute death. Again, it's heat stress, which is very common in animals confined in spaces. Pigs affected by drought in the lung area try to find better protected lying quarters. Too high temperature or in the lying area often result in them trying to regulate their body temperature by lying in moist places, near water dispensers or bowls or even in the dunging area. If they are not undernourished, pigs are able to stand low temperatures. So I'm gonna stop right here and just discuss this really quickly. So the reason why this is so important to talk about is when you notice your pig lying in uh, its pen, if you have an indoor, a large confined area, and you see your pigs lying next to their bulls, understand that it is too hot for the area and you need to dig an area out or wet an area for your pigs to lay in. It is a very good indicator, a, a great behavior to share with you that they need their temperature to go down on a hot day. If they are not undernourished, pigs are able to stand low temperatures. It is possible to keep adult sows and fattening pigs outdoors at low temperatures provided that they have access to dry lying areas and straw protected against precipitation and drought. Even piglets older than one to two weeks can stand low temperatures. 
in cold ambient temperatures, adult pigs during their resting periods and piglets uh, always, apart from when nursing, nestle down in the bedding material. This is a really fun thing for uh, people who have new piglets. They will literally burrow into the straw and then they will poke their little snouts out. And you can only see their snouts. It's adorable. I love it a lot. If such bedding does not exist, they keep close together. Young piglets even try to lie on the belly of the sow because it is one of the warmest places to be at. In their studies of the thermal microclimate in winter farrowing nests of free-ranging domestic sows and their litters, Algers and Jensen in 1990 found that when the outdoor temperature varied between negative 17 Celsius and 7 degrees, so around, I believe, because absolute zero is 32 degrees, I believe this is around 5 degrees all the way up to 15 degrees. No, I think I got that wrong. For you, it's been a moment, but for me, I just looked up uh, the Celsius. Centigrade is really hard for me because the calculation of it is insane. However, um, varied temperatures from 17, uh, negative 17 Celsius is actually one degree Fahrenheit all the way up to seven degrees, which is 44 degrees. The nest temperature measures five centimeters from the piglets varied between 11 degrees Celsius and 26 degrees Celsius. So 50 to 70, 80 degrees in such cold temperatures outside with an average of 20.3 centigrade, which again is around 70 degrees, which is amazing. Uh, that is the power of good insulation of a dry nest, folks. Studies of litters with and without access to bedding show that pigs not only prefer bedding, but also that piglets are significantly quicker to reach the udder after birth in premises with bedding that is uh, than in those without. So when you have a well-insulated nest with bedding, whether it's wood shavings or straw, piglets are able to get to the teat faster and nurse quicker which again saves lives. The type of floor influences the thermal resistance between the pig body uh, temperature and the floor temperature, exactly. Verstage and Vonder in 1974 reported that the effective critical temperature of a 40 kilogram pig is 11.5 to 13 Celsius, so around 50 degrees Fahrenheit on straw bedding and 15 to 14 degrees Celsius or about 55 to 60 on asphalt and 19 to 20 Celsius on concrete. So again, about 60 degrees to 65 degrees. With a temperature under the lower critical temperature, uh, lower critical temperature is uh, Actually, thankfully, they do properly discuss this in here. So lower critical temperature, the pig must use a larger part of its body energy turnover to increase its total heat production. So what that means is 
the minimum lower critical temperature, the minimum temperature that you should have for your pig uh, to not overexpend energy to keep itself warm. That is the point of an LCT or a lower critical temperature. When pigs are embedded in straw, the LCT can be quite low. Thus, a single 34 kilogram pig fed 3.3 times in its maintenance requirement has a LCT of negative five or about, um, I believe it is seven degrees or 10 degrees Fahrenheit. When it is 70% embedded on a concrete floor, has a thermal neutral zone between 17 and 26 degrees Celsius without a wallowing opportunity between 17 and 23 degrees Celsius. And sows kept in cages without bedding in uninsulated buildings and without body contact. I need you to remember folks, this is actually a very real thing that happens on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and thereby some warmth from other sows are reported to be subject to abortion during the cold season. So because of these poor insulation or these poor accommodations for sows, you are losing, you are losing piglets. Um, you are, in a way, if I were ever to talk to a consumer or not a consumer, a business owner who was trying to keep the industry alive and I wanted to tell them, hey, you need to do better for your pigs. And they're like, no, we need to save money. We're going to keep doing it this way. I'm like, hey, you're actually losing money because your area is so poor in the wintertime that they're just going to abort the pregnancy. Like they're going to be so stressed out and cold and they're not going to be able to have they're not gonna be able to have this farrowing because of their conditions. So that is something to keep in the back of your mind when it comes to uh, trying to cut corners for uh, comfortability of a sow. Loose kept pigs usually lie close together, but when the ambient temperature is high, they lie separately. However, piglets prefer to lie close to the sow even when the temperatures in the pen are very high. And this being is mainly because of their social values and their behaviors. Give me just a second, I'm gonna have a drink of water. Okay. Header 2.10, vision, behavior, and light and darkness. Pigs have a wide angle of vision about 310 degrees, which is insane, which enables them to react fast to movement in their surroundings. They have a binocular field of vision covering about 30 to 50 degrees, which again is insane. Their distant vision is limited and their vision is not as good as that of humans. Studies of pigs kept under three different light conditions darkness, twilight, and light. And again, these are measured by uh, lumens, which 
Lumens are the amount of light given. So, ooh, daylight has around 7,500 Kelvin and I believe 10,000 lumens, while the amount of power in a overhead light is significantly less. And then even less is a candlelight. So the power which is involved in creating light around us is the lumen. So indicate to the pigs kept in darkness show pathological and behavioral aberrations. So depending on the light circumstances can cause illness to your pig. Header 2.11, acoustic communication and hearing. Swine have a good hearing capacity, but as in other farm animals, their hearing range still has not been investigated completely. Pigs are unable to localize high frequency tones. They have a hearing range between that of 40 hertz and about 35,000 hertz. So they can hear really soft things and incredibly loud things from very long distances away. Um, with maximum sensibility of about 8,000 hertz. Some predators and humans are able to locate a sound accurately within an angle of one degree, whereas pigs can locate a sound only within an... Oh, give me a second. Sorry about that, folks. My, uh, my camera turned off, but we're all good now. Whereas pigs can locate a sound only within an angle of about four degrees. So we have, as humans, a tighter range of where... If you're holding a pencil and it makes a noise, uh, whether you're shaking it and you can hear the lead, we are able to deduce a smaller uh, space around us of where that is compared to a pig. And vocalization and acute in acoustics communication. There is much social communication by vocalization between pigs ranging from contact grunts to warning calls and screams when attacked. Short sounds grunts are often heard when the group is seeking food. It is the animal's way of keeping contact with each other. Other typical calls are the guttural one emitted by the boar when, when courting a sow in heat and the complicated grunts emitted by the sow in connection with nursing. The sow grunts with distinct grunt frequency peaks of 4 hertz after delivery and about 8 hertz that peaks occur in regular intervals. So depending on what she's trying to communicate with her piglets, she has a very soft yet um, guttural conversation or talk. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not going to make the noise. I do not do it justice, but it is very frequent, guttural and low in pitch. When pigs are frightened, they emit a short, strong, alarming sound. If a piglet is lost from the group, the sow will be excited, and when she finds it, she will touch it with her snout, at the same time emitting a complicated series of vocalizations. Pigs can discriminate between individual pigs on basis of their calls. So again, 
reason why I love that they give this explanation of a mom finding her piglets because again like we discussed in the first episode or the first part of this um, pigs use visual but mainly olfactory or their nose for smell and to differentiate between piglets between their family group of pigs and then on top of that, they use a lot of vocalizations in order to talk to each other. And while they don't have words per se, their grunts are a communication that they understand between each other. Hefner and Hefner in 1990 found that when they determined the behavior audiograms of domestic pigs, the hearing range from 42 hertz to 40,500 hertz with a region of best sensitivity of 250 hertz to 16,000 hertz. So basically they were able to capture a, a wide range where pigs can hear. Studies of acoustic communication in domestic pigs show that an important part of the nursing suckling interaction between sow and offspring consists of acoustical signals from mother to offspring or vice versa. The grunting of the sow act as three different signals. The first, a constant grunt rate, if probably it's signaled to the put him to the piglets to massage the udder. The second, an increase in grunt rate, is perhaps a signal to the piglets to shift to nursing. And the third, uh, the peak, may be a signal to the piglets to prepare for the sow's milk letdown. So. This is actually a really interesting way to, to talk about uh, nursing. Um, when they are causing letdown, that, that is what it's talking about when it's talking about massaging the udder, is the sow is communicating to her piglets that, hey, this is what you need to do in order to start the letdown. And we see this in goats and in calves when they're butting their head <laughs> against the udder that is causing letdown for the uh, the mother of the animal. And this is how they're talking about it with pigs. And again, she is she's instructing them, she's talking to them to follow the steps in order to start nursing. Some of the piglets vocalizations are probably signals to the sow uh, some to their litter mates. I'm going to take another water break. All right. Header 2.12. Senses of smell and taste. Olfaction. Olfactory abilities are extremely well developed and match those of dogs. Pigs use their sense of smell to search for and examine food and to recognize group members. They can scent humans over hundreds of meters. Pigs can recognize and remember at least 30 individuals within a group. These were done and shown through studies by Mick Lemon uh, in 2008 and Spinka in 2009. In preference tests, it has been shown that pigs respond to some sweet taste, but they are, uh, but that they are individual variations to this. So pigs, pigs have sense of taste, 
We have a refined palate. My goodness. They respond strongly to sucrose solutions, but their preference for glucose and lactose is more modest. So they enjoy fruit sugars instead of glucose um, or grain sugars and also lactose or milk. They do not show preference for sodium cyclamate or salt, which is a sweet for humans. Oh, interesting. Cyclamate. Okay, I, I misunderstood what they were talking about. So the preference for a sodium cyclamate, which is a sweet for humans, is not the same for pigs. All right. The odor of a boar acts as an olfactory stimulus and increases the, uh, the arousal of sows, and thus a boar is often kept in, in herds using artificial insemination. I see. And that is something to talk about as well. When it comes to having a herd of sows, having a boar in a different paddock is very common because you don't want to accidentally uh, cause uh, fights or injury uh, to the sow or to the boar because a female is not ready or you don't want an incident where a sow is being mounted and the boar falls off and hurts himself. Therefore, artificial insemination is a very uh, key thing for a lot of people. Also, it can be a lot healthier for sows because again boars are usually kept in a different place so if you spring a, a boar on a sow and she's not ready for that it can be just incredibly stressful and incredibly dangerous however if you do have a boar one boar for multiple sows and they're kept in side-by-side -side paddocks uh, that are reinforced because when it's time to go, boars are going to smash through or dig under, try to get to females as quickly as they possibly can. Um, it can be done. It's done a lot. It's just you need to reinforce and get ready for some, some crazy noises. Uh, header 2.13, tactical sense, sense of feeling, so tactile touch. Pigs do not groom each other like cattle and horses. However, individuals who have no fear of humans seem to appreciate being scratched behind the ear or on their back. Love it. They really do love it. Calm and methodical rubbing of the udder is an old treatment of sows which have difficulty in nursing and letting down milk during the, the first days that are lying on their belly instead of offering the piglets their udder can be brought to display the, the udder and after some more rubbing stimulation also to let down their milk. So something that isn't really talked about is the maternal aspect of rearing animals and the lactation process. Um, sometimes lactation in pigs um, and other animals, they need stimulation or to massage the udder area again to have let down. If this is an 
issue. And also you need to be very familiar with yourselves in order to let her near you. If she's not familiar with you, don't do it. It'll stress her out and she might bite you. However, for people who are very close with their animals or just have good handling skills with their animals, they've been brought up and handled properly, this is a very easy thing for you to do. You gently need the uh, the nursing pack or the udder of the pig. And it is like the slightest, gentlest motions onto the tummy towards the teat. And then you just do very gentle motions across the udder. Um, that, that is actually something that I learned from uh, a lactation consultant when uh, talking through uh, my massage therapy licensing. It's a very easy uh, way for stimulation. All right, back to this. By rubbing on the udder, sows are, that are lying on their belly instead of offering the piglets their udder can be brought to display the udder and after some more rubbing stimulation also to let down their milk. That's where we left off. In even sows, which are standing instead of offering piglets the udder can be brought to lie down, display their udder and let down their milk by rubbing the udder. So again, this is behavior and also talking about why it's so important to handle your animal, especially a uh, bearing animal, because you can help them through the process if they're having a hard time with starting the lactation process or rejecting or just being confused about after birth care for them and their uh, their piglets or their offspring. We're going to go a little bit further. I know we're already at 40 minutes, but I want to get to 2.14 before we let off. So a sense of pain. Studies of piglet physiology and behavior response to castration, tooth grinding, and clipping have revealed that they feel pain during and often after the operation. In the case of castration, the pain demonstrated in changed behavior remains several days after the operation. In the case of teeth grinding or clipping, not only the operation but also the subsequent lesions, uh, pulp cap or cavity opening, fracture, hemorrhage, inflammation or abscess, and osteodentine formation uh, presumably can cause suffering as they are known to cause severe pain in humans. So that is something to keep in mind. There is going to be pain um, when it comes to um, on teeth grinding and clipping. And you need to make the honest decision with yourself and your veterinarian uh, what is the best choice involved um, because sometimes it is needed. Uh, castration is also the same you need to uh, remind yourself that after a castration there's still going to be pain and there needs to be a recovery time so don't move your bores around after castration and just give them time to heal they're going to need it 
um, when you are doing teeth grinding or clipping, you need to be incredibly careful and you do need to learn how to do it so you can do it properly and safely so they don't get infection, disease, abscessed, and furthermore. All right. And that, my friends, is the end. We will be starting next time on 2.14, Perception of Elective or Electric and Magnetic Fields. Ooh, electricity. <laughs> I hope this was a good time for you guys as much as it is for me. I truly do enjoy teaching you and reading and learning along with you and deciphering all of this with you. And I hope you keep on listening with me and learning more about the behavior and welfare and care for animals. All right, everybody. I'll see you next time on Classic Homesteading Practices. Bye.